Good to see you again this morning in the Lord Jesus' name. I'm not trying to look overly formal today. I just got cold, so I said, go get my suit jacket and uh, got my boat shoes on, you know, no socks and a suit jacket. Wouldn't fly in Portland, but I, a lot of things fly down here that don't fly in Portland. <laughs> so, so we're okay. We're okay. Uh, somebody also gave me a fancy swivel chair here this morning. Uh, what I'd like you to do as we begin this morning, first let's just commit the time to our Lord in prayer, okay? Ask His blessing on His Word. Our Holy Father and yet gracious Father, we're in Thy name because of this seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come, and He's coming again. We thank Thee for those who are out here this morning to learn Thy Word, Thy ways, Thy plan, that centers around the Lord Jesus. And we, we look for Thee to bless Thy Word, to bless hearts. We don't know what every need is, but Thy Word is able. And so we just look for thy spirit to give enlightenment and understanding and to give help. And we're not alone, for he said, I'm with you always as we teach thy word. And so we just commit this time in the name and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the edifying of his church, which he purchased with his own blood. The Lord Jesus' name we ask thee, Father, with thanksgiving. Amen. Okay, you want to have your dispensational chart. We're actually going to refer to that starting the second session, but also your master template uh, you're, uh, it's two pages. Some of you will have a double-sided, some of you will have two pages. Uh, the divine plan revealed in the orderly layout of the Bible that we looked at last night. It's a two-page chart. Some of you it will be double-sided. So you want to have both of those. But for this first one, we'll be using this uh, two-page uh, outline, the divine plan revealed in the orderly layout of the Bible. And let's have our Bibles open to, for a review here to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, the book of Ephesians, please, and chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. If you look at verse 2, Ephesians 3 and verse 2, If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words. And so we remarked last night, brothers and sisters, that this eternal plan of God, which Ephesians talks about, in fact, let me, it's right in our chapter here, chapter 3. Look at verse 11. Chapter 3, verse 11. According to the eternal purpose, which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purpose, and it's purposed in His Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. That God chose to give it, not by uh, logic, not by scientific observation, but as Paul said in verse 3, how that by revelation He made known unto me. And so it comes by divine revelation. God's revealing His heart, His plan. It will never be figured out by scientific observation or philosophy or whatever, uh, human reasoning. It is by revelation. God Himself has to reveal it. We also remarked last night that God uses some tools in this revelation. Two of the tools He will use that as methods to convey this revelation will be dispensations and covenants. Covenants will be more of our subject tomorrow, the legal union that forms a relationship. It's legal. 
dispensation we'll begin to talk about in the second session. God revealing new truth to be administered, uh, to, to be entrusted to different periods in time. He reveals his truth. Uh, it's progressive revelation. But uh, you see the word dispensation here in verse 2, chapter 3. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. Some of you will have administration or stewardship. We'll talk about that later. So we have revelation that's progressive. One of the tools will be dispensation. Another tool will be covenant. But last night we also reminded you that the vehicle God uses to fulfill this revelation is something called a seed. Go with me to another one of Paul's statements in 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2. What he tells young Timothy here in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 8. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Jesus Christ of the seed of David. And as we're going to see in a minute or two, speaking of human offspring, human seed, that God's vehicle for revealing himself will be a human, will be a person, not an angel, not a spirit being, not something extraterrestrial, uh, some foreign alien. It is a seed of the woman. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. And so what we want to concentrate in our first session this morning is to say a little more about the vehicle God has chosen to reveal himself through a seed. Now with that in mind, if you go back to your two-page outline, the divine plan revealed in the orderly layout of the Bible that we briefly considered last night. And as God has revealed himself down through time in progressive revelation that forms dispensations that we'll talk about later... You notice there's seven major, there's eternity past, the eternal purpose, then there's the consummation of all things at the end. But in between, there, there's seven major stages. And they will involve the, the seed. Uh, it's in green for you. You know, creation, corruption, consolidation. All of them, if you look at the green heading in each of the seven points, you'll see something about the seed. Now, I just want to go through there just to give you a little handle on this vehicle God has chosen to fulfill his plan, known as, as, as the seed. So let's begin with number one, which is creation, and when God created humanity. And that takes us back to Genesis chapter 1. We're on the first point of our outline here, creation, looking at the seed is created. And if you'll go to Genesis chapter 1, and uh, looking at verse 6, regarding man and woman, God says something about them. He said about nobody else, nothing else he made. Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So we see the seed is created in the image of God, the likeness of God. Nothing else that's ever said about it. It will be man alone that Genesis will tell us if you look at chapter 2 and verse 7. Genesis 2 and verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life 
and man became a living soul. Everything else created just by the Word of God. But now something in his likeness, mankind, God takes man, Adam, and he breathes into him the breath of life. And man's a living soul. Man is the only thing that has this breath of God in creation, the breath of life. He's in the very image of God. He has a will. Uh, he has a heart. He has reasoning. And these will, some of these will come out more later. And so we see simply that this human seed, the human race is created by God in the book of Genesis in his own likeness and in his image. But then as we progress with this seed, we get to uh, number two here, and we'll speak of the corruption of the seed. And I'm going to take you to a verse we read last night, which is in Genesis 3. And this is after Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God and incurred the penalty of death. And God, in pronouncing judgment on the different parties involved, will say to the serpent in Genesis 3 and verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So Satan the serpent was told there's going to be enmity between him and his seed and the woman and her seed. So now we see the woman is connected with a seed. And it shall bruise thy head, Satan was told. Someday there's going to be victory. There's going to be a crushing of the enemy, not by an angel, but by the woman's seed, by humanity. And so they have fallen into sin, however, here. And they have offspring, Adam and Eve, as you know. But it's not, it's not all that godly. They're born in sin now. You, you know, as uh, Romans 5.12 says, by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we have the entrance of sin, and all connected with Adam have sinned, and death passes upon all men. And so you have the corruption of this seed, the woman's seed, because of Satan seducing Eve and Adam sinning. So that you see the evidences of that corruption, if you go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And uh, we'll look at verse 5. Genesis 6 and verse 5. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Uh, looks at man, and the thoughts of his heart is only evil continually. Uh, as Jeremiah 17.9 will later say, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You know, who can know it? And so God looks at man, and we see the imagination of his heart's thoughts are evil continually. You get down a little further to verse 11, Genesis 6 and verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. All the earth had become corrupt. Flesh had corrupted itself. And so we see God has created a seed in his own image, but through the enemy, through Satan, uh, there, there's an enmity now. He, he tempted them into sin, that is, even Adam outright sinned. And through that, now all their offspring, all their sin is corrupted, so it became so corrupt that God had to judge the earth with water in Noah's day. And so we see this seed, though it's created, it's corrupted. 
the woman's seed. It's the work of Satan. In fact, go back to chapter 3 for a minute. Go back to chapter 3. Look how it starts in Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent. See that? Now the serpent. And from Genesis 3 through 8, you have the work of the serpent, the enemy of God, the usurper to God's throne, Lucifer or Satan, also known as the devil and the serpent. Now the serpent. And what he does is seduces Eve to sin, Adam transgresses, and the whole seed is corrupted. So God has to destroy it one day. And so you have the corrupted seed here uh, in number two, now the serpent. But now as we move down with this subject of the seed, it runs throughout Scripture. I want to take you to number three on your outline sheet. Number three. And you have the consolidation uh, uh, of the nations in rebellion to God. Uh, go, go for a minute to uh, Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. It says, in God, verse 1, Genesis 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God looks at humanity and uses vegetation terms, seed terms. Be fruitful and multiply, fruitful, and replenish the earth. So they were to refill the earth after the flood. Eight people were saved. And uh, replenish the earth by being fruitful with humanity, the woman's seed. However, they consolidated. And we'll talk about that more in our dispensations. In Babel, they, they quit scattering. And they came together in a city uh, to sustain man and uh, 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 consolidate into a mega city where man would sustain man. And God brought judgment of the confusion of languages known as Babel. So they couldn't communicate anymore, and they were forced to do something. And so looking here at Genesis 11, and we'll touch on this more later, but Genesis chapter 11, and look at verse 9. Genesis 11, verse 9. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. God had to force mankind, so to speak, uh, to discipline mankind to obey Him, to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. They consolidated in one city called Babel, and God would confuse the languages, so the building project came to an end, and they were forced to scatter according to their language. They'd all speak in different languages. And so here we see uh, the seed is scattered, as you see in number three. Now, if you know anything about seed, what happens when you scatter seed? It's going to produce fruit all over the place. <laughs> Seed is a living thing. And now humanity is scattered in the divine grace of God over the earth. And the woman's seed now will be all over the earth because the seed has been scattered. Now with that in mind, just again following this seed through Scripture a little bit. Going to number four on your outline sheet where it says covenant. And here we're going to see the seed is promised. The seed is promised. God is going to make a specific promise now concerning humanity of a blessing. What part of humanity that seed will come from? The seed is promised. Remember, it shall bruise thy head, her seed, back in Genesis 3.15. But humanity has grown. They cover the earth now. So who's the one that's going to bruise the head? 
And God begins to make a promise concerning the seed that out of the woman's seed, he's going to start to narrow it so we know who the conqueror, the Savior, will be. So the seed is promised, and that begins in Genesis 12. So go with me now to Genesis 12. And let's see how it starts out here in verse 1, Genesis 12 and verse 1. It says, Now the Lord. Now the Lord. Do you remember Genesis 3, 1? Now the serpent. He has chapters concerning the certain serpent's work to corrupt the seed. And now God steps in with a plan. Starts to reveal his plan. Now the Lord. God's answer to Satan. Now the serpent. Now the Lord. And that begins in Genesis 12. And you're going to have a promised seed here that's going to bless. So let's see it here. More will come out of this later in covenants and dispensations. But just for now, following the seed... Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless them. Uh, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. He appears to Abram. And he promises that he's going to make him a great nation. And that Abram's going to be a blessing. Verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now we've got a tremendous promise here at the end of verse 3 that's repeated in the Old and New Testaments, in both of them. That in thee, in Abraham, in you, in your seed, as we'll see, your offspring, your progenity, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There's a promise of blessing to this world someday, that all the families, all the tribes of the earth are going to be blessed in Abraham's seed. We have a promise here that it will come from Abraham. There's a lot of people in the world, but it's been narrowed a bit, that whoever this seed is that's going to crush the serpent's head and bring victory and bless this world will be an Abraham's seed. In fact, look what he says a little later here in verse 7. Genesis 12 and verse 7. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto thy seed, will I give this land? And there built he an altar unto the Lord and appeared unto him. And so we see Abraham's seed. Turns out to be the nation of Israel, doesn't it? The Jewish people. And so God has made a promise of blessing through the woman's seed, but now narrowing it to Abraham's seed. Whoever the conqueror is going to be, according to biblical prophecy, has to be a human. Well, that narrows it down to 8 billion people today, huh? But it has to be of Abraham's seed. And that makes it a little narrower, doesn't it? And so we see the seed is promised. And then you go to number 5, what we call 5A, on the front page of your outline sheet of God's divine plan. And beginning in Exodus 19 and on to Malachi, uh, the law comes in, the commandments, and you'll see the seed is preserved. The promised seed is preserved. You have a seed. Now, well, that seed lasts until God's program, program comes to fruition. So God's going to have to preserve the seed, the promised seed. And the promised seed gets narrower. Okay, we know it's humanity. We know it's Abraham. But now go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, please. And Israel is now a nation. The seed of Abraham has become a great nation. And David, the shepherd boy, 
is God's chosen king. That's the time period in history we're at when we get to 2 Samuel 7. And one day God appears to David, who is of the seed of Abraham, who is obviously of the seed of the woman, he's a human, and he appears to David and he makes him a promise. Look at verse 12, 2 Samuel 7 and verse 12. It says, When thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. So when you die, it's not going to be the person who gets the most votes, the most popular person that gets the votes. The, the ruler will be from your biological offspring. It'll be your seed. This is known as a monarchy, where, where the royal blood and crown is passed on to the next generation. God is establishing this here. But he goes on to say more than that, that he'll come from your seed. Look at verse 13. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. <laughs> that this throne of David's kingdom is not a four-year administration, not an eight-year. It is forever. That the one that's going to rule for God and bless this world, not only is it comes from a woman's seed, then Abraham's seed, which becomes Jewish, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that narrows it down to a nation. Now it's reduced to a family, David's royal family. It's of your seed that will proceed out of your bowels, and his, the throne of his kingdom will be established forever. Now God is revealing this in stages here, all right? It's going to be a human, her seed, going to bruise the head of the serpent. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are given the promise, in thy seed uh, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. Turns out to be Israel. Turns out to be Jewish. So whoever the Savior is has to be human, has to be Jewish. But he has to be more than that. He has to be of the royal blood of David. For the one that will rule for God will be thy seed, and that throne will be established forever. And so what God does here in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, and the line of David, they're attacked, they sin, they're hated, they fall themselves. Uh, they're on the brink of annihilation by the nations. They're under the judgment of God himself for their idolatry. Yet God is preserving that seed of David. He's preserving Israel down through time till the seed, the singular seed, arrives. Okay? So we have the preservation of the seed. I'd like to show you that in Jeremiah chapter 33. Kind of gives a summation here. Let's go to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 33. And then I'm going to take a pause after this one for any comments you brethren might have. But let's go to Jeremiah chapter 33. Israel's on the verge of losing their promised land because of their idolatry. They're going to go into Babylonian captivity. All kind of judgments are prophesied. You say that's the end of Israel. Uh, the kings of Judah are going to fail and God's going to remove them. You say the whole thing's going to come to an end. Well, not exactly, because God is preserving the seed, even though there's judgment down through time. So we're here in Jeremiah chapter 33, and if you'll go to verse 15. Verse 15. It says this, uh, verse 15, Jeremiah 33, In those days and at that time I will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. And he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. All right, something grows like a family tree. A branch of righteousness connected with David, okay? And he's going to be the ruler. But it goes on to say in verse 16, 
In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith the Lord she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah said, can you? The Lord our righteousness. Now, it did not look possible at this time because they're on the verge of Babylonian captivity. Yet God says they're going to be a seed of David. And so their kings are wicked, and they're, they're going to have their eyes poked out. And they're going to go into Babylonian captivity. But so the Lord goes on to say this in verse 17, Jeremiah 33, verse 17. It says, For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man or lack a man to set upon the throne of the house of Israel. Makes a promise. David's never going to lack a man. Yes, there's going to be judgment. Your number's going to be diminished. But I want to tell you something. I made a promise. David's seed is the one that will rule, that bless all nations through Abraham. And he'll never lack a man. While in the Jewish judgment and the times of the Gentiles, the throne of David ceased to exist. There's no throne in Israel. There's none today. There's no king. While the throne of David ceased to exist in holding the Jewish line of the seed of David, the seed of David never ceased to exist. God preserved that seed so there always was a royal lineage preserved down through time. So look what he goes on to say here. Verse 18. Neither shall the priest, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually. Verse 19 of Jeremiah 33. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, that there should be not day and night in their season. Now, if you're able to do this, he says, you know, we can do a lot of things. We can predict the weather, but we really can't manipulate it. If you can change the laws of outer space, so the day is no longer 24 hours, you know, night and day. You don't have your seasons. You don't have your years, you know. Mankind talks about climate change and global warming. He, but he can't, whatever he believes is out there, he can't change it. He thinks he can. Uh, it's all under God's control. But if you can change the laws of outer space, the physical law, the physics and that, of day and night, and the sun being so many million miles away, and the moon rotating on its axis and so far from the earth, and the tides of the ocean all affected here with outer space. Can you change? They can't change it. And that, that's a covenant of God. Those are promises of God. He, he's made to these uh, bodies here. And man can't change him. He says, if you're able to change him, then this will happen. Look at verse 21. Then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites to priest my ministers. He says, if you're able to change outer space, that covenant, then he says, I'll break my covenant with David. Well, you can't change it. And God has said, it's an unbreakable covenant. David will have a man to set up on the throne. He goes on to say here in verse 22, As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so I will multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. And so God promises that he will not obliterate the seed of David and the Levites. Israel will not cease to exist. Neither will the royal line, the bloodline, of David. While the throne will come to a temporary end, the seed will not. It is as sure as the laws of outer space. And so we see the Old Testament will be the story of the ups and downs of Israel, but God's hand over his plan preserving the seed. Now the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, and the seed of David, a Jewish royal family. Now that's going to take us to page two of your outline sheet. Page 2. 
But let me pause here on the seed. Brothers, you have any comments on what we've looked at so far? I clarify a question. Yes. Yes. Okay. They don't have a throne, a, a king on the throne in national Israel, right? But what we're going to see that there's been a sea. There's been the royal line has never been become extinct. Some some right, some. You know, groups and tribes become extinct. That there's always a royal line preserved. That the seed of David, and we're going to see in a minute how it exists, okay? And uh, someday there will be a king again upon the throne of David. But what does not cease to exist is somebody who has a legal right to that throne. That's born through the bloodline of David. There's been an attempt, and we're going to see this tomorrow, to obliterate that bloodline. In fact, at one point of history, it was reduced to one six-month-old baby, okay? It got that low, okay? We're, we're going to get into that tomorrow. But God preserved it, so there was always somebody living that says, I have royal blood, I belong to David. He'll not lack a man to set upon a throne. It doesn't say he'll not lack a throne. He'll not lack a man to set upon the throne. There will be a throne someday, but you have to have somebody legal that is able to set upon it. You know, we think American, whoever gets the most votes wins. That's not God's way. You have to have a legal bloodline to the throne. Does that clarify it a little bit? Okay. Yeah. Yes. And there still is today. There, there was no king upon the throne. Zerubbabel, however, was the bloodline of David. <laughs> because of the Gentiles and the discipline of God, Israel does not have a sovereign king at the present. She crucified him, by the way. She doesn't have one. But what she does have is somebody with a legal right with the bloodline of David. That when the time comes, he can say, I have the legal right to set there. Zerubbabel couldn't because the, the throne was removed. But Zerubbabel was of the line of David. In other words, David's offspring, you know, some family trees come to an end. You know, if, uh, well, the Lord forbid. I, I have one son, okay, that bears my name. And he has a son. But if they were in an accident, you know, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I, I have no seed to continue. Uh, that happens to something, but, but it will never happen to David. Okay, the seed can take, you see what we're trying to say? Well, that's where we're headed next. I know, but, but yeah. is, there, is, there, is there anything to tracing it now? Like some people say, because my last name is Cohen, I'm of the, of the tribe of Levi. Is, is, there, is, there, is there any significance or hint you know, to that issue today? Yeah, there is a significance to that. Uh, he speaks of the Levites will not lack either. And that's going to be restored, by the way. And people, Cohen, comes from Koath, believe that they're Levitical tribe, and there's some proof to that. And uh, later in Revelation, it's going to become very clear that the 12 tribes are mentioned. But as far as David is concerned, we're going to see that that seed now has been identified. Okay? So, uh, that, but first it had to be preserved. There was a satanic onslaught against it. Okay. Yes, brother. And there was a king called Conai, I believe, and there was a curse pronounced upon him. He was in the royal line. Yes. Are you going to cover that about the virgin birth? 
I, I'm not going to cover it, but I will now. <laughs> uh, one of the lines of David uh, out of that seed was cursed. He would not have a son, okay, to, up on the line. Uh, so uh, you say, how do you get around that? You'll not have a son to reign. And his name was Jenekaniah or sometimes known as Kaniah. Uh, but you see, not only did Joseph, his stepfather, have a claim to the throne, his mother Mary did. And he, she was born of Mary. You trace Mary's genealogy, and it goes back to David just like Joseph's. But hers will bypass Kananiah. It goes through an, an, uh, the kingly line that bypasses him. And so God is precise in that. You'll see that in Luke 3 and Matthew 1 and so on. And so Joseph, uh, his stepfather that had a legal claim to the throne, uh, ran through that curse, but Mary did not. And he was born not of a man, but of the Virgin Mary. And that's in a nutshell. Yeah. Good things here. but yeah. Okay, going to page 2. We're still in, uh, it's, it's called 5B, and it's Christ. Christ. Now the promised seed comes and is buried. The promised seed comes and is buried. You say, well, that's a tragedy. He's buried. You know what happens when you bury a seed? <laughs> Very positive. Okay. So just hang in there. Uh, going, if you would, to uh, Luke chapter 1. The promised seed comes. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. And as we go to Luke 1, let me remind you, and I know you know this, how your New Testament begins. The very first verse of the New Testament, Matthew 1.1, you know, Matthew 1.1, the book of the generation or genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's a strange way to begin the New Testament. What you say with a genealogy? Who needs a genealogy? God does. You know, if Jesus Christ is not the right genealogy, never mind his miracles, never mind his compassionate teaching and example, he has no right to bless the world and to be the Savior and the one upon the throne. He doesn't have it. But you know what Matthew 1 1 says? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It, it, it has to give his legal credentials right there. If he's not legal, never mind what else he does. And so it is Jesus Christ now who is born, born through Mary the Virgin, who has a connection to David. And that is what Luke 1 is teaching here. Luke chapter 1. And I think it's warming up here, so I'm going to take my jacket off. Luke chapter 1. We'll break in here with Gabriel's message here in Luke 1. He tells Mary this in verse 30, Luke 1 and verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So Jesus is born of a human. He's also born of Abraham's seed. And he's also born of David's line. And he has a legal right to the throne. 
So the Savior has come. Now progress with me on this to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Paul's preaching here in a synagogue. And look what he says here. Acts chapter 13. And we'll break in here at uh, verse 21. He's preaching about Israel's history here. Acts 13 and verse 21. He says, And afterwards they desired a king and gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. Okay, Israel wanted a king. King number one was of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, not, not, not uh, 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 Judah. Tribe of Benjamin, Saul. But he was removed, verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now watch verse 23. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised up unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. God made a promise, and he preserved that seed. And Jesus was born one day of the seed of David. And God kept his promise. Jesus, a Savior of the seed of David. But that seed was crucified, you say. Yes, he was. Look at the rest of chapter 13. Look at the rest of chapter 13. Verse 28. Acts 13, verse 28. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead. And so the seed has come, and the seed was buried. Would a brother read for me, nice and loud for us, John 12, 24. John 12, 24. Something the Lord Jesus said when he was on earth. You could read it nice and loud. John 12, 24, please. You know, a grain of wheat, a seed here in relation to vegetation. If you just lay it on your table, a nice uh, peach seed or orange seed, as you have all these oranges down in Florida, nothing's going to happen until you put it in the ground. When you put it in the ground, it bears much fruit. To take a seed which has a life within itself, to put that in the ground the way God has designed nature, it just guarantees multiplication. And so uh, they thought they brought Christ to an end, and they put him in the ground. You just put God's seed in the ground, and God raised him from the dead. What do you think is going to happen now? There's going to be much, much fruit. <laughs> much fruit. That brings us to number six here on, this, on your outline sheet. Uh, the promised seed bears fruit. But he had to die for our sins and be buried, and then God would raise him up. And, and out of that would come a whole race of people known as the children of God. Connected to God through the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The promised seed bears fruit. Satan thought he won a victory when Christ was crucified and buried. The last thing you want to do is bury a seed. <laughs> and now watch what happens here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 20, 
1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He's risen from the dead. He's the first fruits. In other words, there's more to follow. And he goes on to say this in uh, verse 22. Or verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Man brought us death, but man brought us life in Christ. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, they that are his at his coming. So we're going to live forever too. We're going to reign with him. Christ is only the firstfruits. You know, brothers and sisters, as Romans 8.28 says, uh, for whom, or 8.29, Romans 8.29, for whom he did foreknow, then did he also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That God has uh, taken a race and has conformed us through the gospel to the image of his Son, and Christ is the firstborn of many brethren. Many like Christ. Love like he does, hate like he is, has a heart for God. He has many brothers now. That happened through his death and resurrection, his burial, going into the ground. And out of that, God has brought a gospel of which Christ is only the first fruit. And, and there's those that even though we have to die, we will live too. Unless you're the generation living when the Lord comes to the air and so on. And, and so he's only the first fruits. Now let's, let's follow this a little more here. If you go, if you would, to... Uh, First uh, Peter one twenty three. First Peter one twenty three. Somebody read. Uh, some brother read one twenty three, please. That we're born again through seed, the incorruptible seed. Through the Word of God. Not a seed that perishes us. Well, who is the Word of God? The Lord Jesus is the Word. And through His living, written Word, we're born again. Go to James chapter 1. Look at the language of James 1 and verse 18. I'll ask for a volunteer to read that. James 1 and verse 18. Notice the language here of the born-again family. A kind of first fruits by his own will of this word of truth. So when you're born again, you're born again with incorruptible seed, with the word himself and his truth, and you have this new life and you're kind of a first fruits. And so that, that's the church that we'll get more into later. That out of the death and burial of the seed that God preserved comes a whole new group known as the kind of first fruits. The born-again church, Jew and Gentile, equal in one in Christ. More will be said about that later. This is God's plan escalating here. Uh, you, you think, well, the seed's getting narrower and narrower, and then finally the seed is here and he's buried. And what happens? Uh, more than you ever imagined in God's plan, uh, the kind of first fruits. It's going to bring us to the last one of the seed, number seven, conquest. Any comments before we look at our last one here? Brothers. Okay, looking at number seven in God's orderly plan involving the seed, it says there in the green heading, the promised seed grows to cover the earth. Huh. The promised seed grows to cover the earth. That'll be the kingdom age. 
But let me show you an example, a prophecy of this. If you'll go to Daniel chapter 2, please. Book of Daniel and chapter 2. Daniel is a metaphoric picture of the crushing of all nations someday. And then uh, this big statue that represents the kingdoms of men is hit by a stone. And it's hit at the feet. And it's a stone cut without hands. So you have an image, a statue in Daniel 2. Human crafted, you know. That's how you make statues. But then this big statue of glorious metals and colors comes crashing down because a stone without hands. Something not crafted by man. But it hits the statue in the feet, it falls down, breaks into a million pieces and shards, and the wind just blows it away. Here today, gone tomorrow. Kingdoms of this world, it represents. But the stone, well, it represents the kingdom of God. And look at verse 35. Daniel 2 and verse 35. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the shaft of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. <laughs> and so what replaces the kingdoms of men is the kingdom of God. And it fills the whole earth. You know, in the language of Revelation 11:15, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. There's going to be a crushing of these kingdoms, and God's kingdom is going to cover the whole earth. And believers are told that He hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Revelation 5:10. I, I mean, the Christ and His offspring are going to fill it all. They're going to fill it all. It's going to grow and cover the whole earth. Look at a promise in Psalm 2, if you would. Psalm chapter 2. The promised seed grows to cover the earth. You know, Psalm 2. It's prophesied here. God prophesying about His Son, whom we now know as the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm number 2. Famous psalm. Says this in verse 8, Psalm 2 and verse 8 Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost part of the earth, the remotest. Not just the kingdom of a nation, the kingdom of the whole earth. A seed does grow, you know. And He grows and He covers the whole earth. And that we are reigning with Him as servants, as His governmental officials, as you'll see. And so it's Christ and His administration in control. They live and reign with Christ a thousand years, Revelation 20 tells us. And so, you see, this Christ, yes, I know He's the Son of God. He's the Son of God. He is God. But He became a man. You know what one of His other titles is? The Son of Man, isn't it? Because if he's only the son of God, he can't rule because you've got to be of the woman's seed. You've got to be of Abraham's seed. You've got to be of David's seed. And so he had to become a man and suffer and die and rise again. So he's also the son of man. And when it speaks about his glorious coming, though he is God, 
Look, look at the terminology of Scripture. Let's go to our last one for this morning, to, or this session. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. At the arraignment for his crucifixion. Matthew 26. And when they ask Christ something, uh, we'll go to verse uh, 23. I'm sorry, 63. Matthew 26 and verse 63. 26:63. It says, But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Said, Never mind the witnesses now. They disagreed. We're asking you directly, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ of the, the Son of God? Here's Jesus' answer, verse 64. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. That's a prophecy from Daniel 7.13. The Son of Man, it has to be. Yes, I'm the Son of God, but I'm the Son of Man that's going to rule and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest says that he claims to be God, he claims to be the Messiah. And that, in their mind, condemned him to crucifixion. It was over, the trial was over. The Son of Man, the seed. And so that's the vehicle God has chosen. He's chosen it in the human seed, and himself became human, and died and was buried. To have this great race of people, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has many brethren, and someday will fill the whole earth. And do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? 1 Corinthians 6.2. So a little bit of the seed, as, as God uses this vehicle to, re, to fulfill his eternal plan in Christ Jesus. Brothers, any comments before we take our break? Yes, brother. I didn't pick up every word, brother, but let me tell you what I thought I picked up. It was a comment, right? Yeah. yeah. Concerning Israel and that, here's what I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that, that we have the son of David, but through Israel, who's going to be restored someday, that, that while the seed of David is Jesus Christ, there's no throne in Israel yet. And so what's going to happen is God's going to establish the throne in Jerusalem, Israel, Isaiah 2 says. And when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to go to the throne that God has chosen in his city of Jerusalem. He's going to set up on it. And so you're going to have the throne and the man united. That's been separated since the time of the Gentiles. We have the seed of David, but he's on the throne in heaven right now. He's on the, but he's not on the throne on earth. Someday the seed of David is going to sit on the throne of David. And that's the thousand-year kingdom. Is that kind of in line with what you were saying? He's not a king. He's elected. He did not get there by royal blood. It's the American system of democracy. No, he's not a seed of David. He got there by popular vote. Okay, he's not even a king. He's, he's a prime minister. Okay, it's the government they have for the ones that are back in the land. I didn't catch that part. Thank you. Uh, so he is not of the seed of David. The seed of David is now Jesus Christ. 
And so what's going to happen to modern-day Israel? Because of their unbelief in Christ, they're going to get persecuted. They're going to go into captivity again. The Antichrist is going to kill two-thirds of them. Their darkest hour is ahead of them, but God's going to preserve them through that. And they're going to look on the one they pierced, Jesus Christ, not Netanyahu as good as he might be. Yes. Yes. And then after that, Israel is just a new Israel. And then 1948, look at them now. Yeah, what they got back in 1948 was their land. They, they, got, they did not get the throne back, and they did not get the temple back. You know, the Arab Dome of the Rocks up there. Uh, they, they didn't get that. They don't have their house of worship back, but they have part of their land back. They did not get their king back. Uh, you know, they only control one-fourth of Jerusalem. That's all Israel controls today is one-fourth. It's divided into four quarters, you know. So, so they, don't have some, they don't have a king ruling over the whole country. They have a governor, a prime minister, overseeing their land. So it's not where it's meant to be, even today. Uh, where it's meant to be will be through the Lord Jesus Christ. But they have lessons to learn. The last king is Jesus Christ? Yes, waiting for the last king. Right now, they, they're not looking for their king. But God's going to bring them through such pressure and tribulation, they're going to see that their king is the Lord Jesus. So uh, what they got back in 1948 was their land as a nation. They did not get back their king. Okay? Yeah, okay. Their kings, you know, Gentiles, you know, President Obama tells them what to do sometimes. Like, don't, yeah, I better stop. Okay. <laughs> No. Even in some of the cities that they used to uh, be in control of there, you know, there's only sections like you're saying Jerusalem, but Hebron I was reading the other day, I mean they have a buffer zone. They have a buffer zone. There's only a few Jews actually live in the city. Absolutely. If you want to start a riot, get a Jew to go on the Temple Mount in the heart of Jerusalem and pray, and you'll have a war on your hands. They have no right to it because they have no sovereign king. Yeah. Okay. Break time or I get in trouble. <laughs> okay, Malcolm? Oh, if it's you, it's okay. <laughs> My goodness, brother. You run the schedule. Yes. So he used it, I guess, you know, that must be the natural sense, right? And Ishmael was called a seed. Yeah. And later, the Christians are called Abraham's seed, right? Yeah, we'll be into that later, yeah. Yeah, but so context, would you say that's a, a, a fair assumption that context determines the meaning because it's still, I mean, we identified specifically Jesus as the seed, right, in Galatians 3. But he said, you are the seed of Abraham to unbelieving Jews, right? Yeah, a biological, they were the seed of Abraham. But what they're not the seed of is Christ. Okay? Uh, let me just take a minute, because this is important, and since Malcolm brought it up, we have liberty here. Uh, if you go to Galatians chapter 3, please. Galatians chapter 3. And this is a verse that brings the seed down to a singular. Okay? Okay? 
And then we'll deal with a little bit of a problem that Malcolm brought before us. But we're finding ourselves here, once I get to it, in the book of Galatians and chapter 3. And one of those famous 3.16 verses, okay? Uh, Galatians 3 and verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. All right? Thy seed is Christ. God had had one person in view throughout all this. Not Ishmael's offspring. And, but to thy seed, which is Christ or Messiah. Now, what we've learned, however, is that seed was buried, right? And rose again. And now through the gospel, believing Jews and Gentiles through Christ become Abraham's seed. What Christ was telling the Jews, I know you're Abraham's seed was that, yeah, you're Abraham's seed, but Abraham's seed doesn't stop with Abraham. It comes to Christ, and they were rejecting him. Big deal, you're Abraham's seed. You're not receiving his seed, the Savior, the Lord Jesus. And that's the Jewish mistake today. They are Abraham's seed, Isaac and Jacob. But they have rejected the seed that came from him, Jesus Christ. And the only way you can get to be Abraham's seed now, you've got to be born of Christ. Look how the chapter ends, chapter 3 of Galatians. In verse 29, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If ye be Christ. I'm not biological Abraham's seed, but I have the promise of justification of the kingdom. How did I get there? You know, you say you're not Jewish. Well, I'm not Jewish, but I'm Abraham's seed because I'm Christ. <laughs> he lives in me and I'm in him. And I am legally Abraham's seed. I have Christ in me. Look look at 3.14. 3.14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You know? Uh, So I can say today, I'm Abraham's seed. I'm legally Abraham's seed. You say there's nothing Jewish about you. I have Christ. I have His Spirit. I have His life. And if I'm Christ, I'm Abraham's seed. So what Christ was dealing with in His day... People who stop short of Christ. Yes, I I have the right biological seed. So what? You haven't come to Abraham's seed, which is Christ. You can only be Abraham's seed now through Christ. You have to be born of him. Tremendous argument here. Tremendous truth of the gospel. Make sense, Malcolm? Yeah, okay. You bypass Christ, it doesn't matter what other biological connection you have. You come through Christ and you are Abraham's seed. And you can lay hold of the heir, the inheritance that God has promised. It's legally yours. I don't know if that will come out more later, but that's big. Okay, big. Can we take our break now, brother?